right. We're back, man. We're uh, back. Good I want to say uh, I watched the last episode that you did with your buddy Austin. Um, yeah. Really interesting, man. It was really cool to hear about what he has going on and how he acquired his business from his, uh, his business partner and, mm-hmm. and everything. And so uh, anybody that uh, missed that last episode, be sure to check it yeah, out. Yeah, go and check it out. It's, not, it's interesting to see the correlation. It's not specific to, to real estate, but, yeah. but also is kind of along the same thing. It just correlates and just runs down the same path as far as valuation and the process he went through to buying a business. It's just like yeah. buying a property when you evaluate it. So um, awesome guy. Love Austin. Shout out to Austin. So it's cool. We don't only talk about uh, real estate on yeah. this podcast, get into other things. Yeah. and um, Not only business. Sometimes we're fun. And one little fun fact, uh, you said you actually made, it's always good to kind of catch up with you and, and yeah. see what you have going on. We um, get together and talk and uh, you always have really interesting stories and stuff. And um, you mentioned when we were chatting right before this recording that uh, uh, due to this podcast, you may have actually reconnected with an old client or maybe found yeah. a new client or something, um, selling a house right over here in my neck of the woods. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, you know, it's uh, a good friend of mine from high school that we kind of lost touch and uh, went different directions, but still here in Birmingham, reached out, just saw some of this content through there and just said, hey, love what you're doing. You're here, you're knowledgeable, you're in the market. So looking to sell our house and buy a new one and it'll be close to about a million dollars of business so dude that is yeah. awesome so man. thank you hey <laughs> a podcast man yeah share it with your friends um yeah. well cool man well yeah what's going on with you uh these days uh really trying to keep up with where the sales market is where the real the birmingham real estate market is you know we've um it's officially summer it's officially summer spring is gone so historically looking back you know, 50 plus years, spring's the hot time, summer, you kind of ride that out. And then once school starts, kind of dies back down and, and then it's dead in the winter. And, and that's kind of the normal cyclical real estate sales cycle. For the past couple of years, it's been springtime all year round as far as volume and demand. And that we've seen that. I've talked multiple times about how it cooled off when rates took a uh, a hike back in October. And it's we're kind of in a new normal of higher rates now. Um, but I, I pulled up some stats that I wanted to share because I've got, I've got a handful of listings that are, are sitting on market and taking longer to actually go under contract now. And, um, without this data, it's, it's easy just to kind of blindly say, oh, the market's not as good, or maybe I'm not as good. Like, what am I doing where these things just aren't selling as well? And so it was good to put some numbers behind it. So I'll get my cheat sheet out here and just talk about, uh, the average days on market. So DOM or days on market is a metric we use a lot just to test. Um, a little real gauge. estate jargon there. Yeah, yeah, just gauge the market where it's at. So what I did, I didn't take all of Birmingham because it could be skewed pretty heavily. So I just took Hoover and Bluff Park, which is where I live, and just looked at data from the 1st of January 1 of last year to uh, today's date of last year. So basically the first six months of the year. Uh, and so we've got uh, a total of 236 number of listings and the average days on market. And these are sales data. The average days on market for these are sales 13. 13 days. That's current. That was last year. That was last the, year. The that first six year. months okay. of last year, the average days on market for a house was 13 days. 13 days. And that's not to closing. That's to under contract. Under contract. Yep. That's, we listed the house and now we've got a buyer and boom, the mm. paperwork is signed. Yeah. Yep. So current market, um, this will tell me. Uh, I can look at what's active, still sitting on market, what has sold, um, and then what's under contract according to our MLS or multiple listing service, which is the database we use. Um, So let's look at active listings. So there's 44 right now. Uh, Actually, I'm going to start in reverse order. So 
let's go to listings under contract and the average days on market for them to be on on market to getting under contract is 20. It's a little bit higher. Okay. But a, a week later. Going up a little bit. Um, the first six months of this year, so January 1 to today, the average days on market is 25. Mm. Okay. And then, and that, that's the 172 sales. And then the active listing, so sitting on market right now for sale, there's 44 of them. And the average days on market is 34. And wow. so okay. that tells me, so if I look at, you know, last year compared to this year, for solds, 13 to 25, you know, I've, I've got almost two weeks of extra time that things are sitting out there. And then furthermore, things that are, and that's to get sold for the first half of this year, but kind of projecting forward where numbers and where things are trending on how long it'll take to sell if you put something up on market today, like my active listings that are kind of sitting there, is you 34. You expect around the 30-day range. Yeah, yeah, 30 to 40. Cause, so double, basically. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, so um, it's... A lot of information to pull from that, but initially my reaction was, oh, good, it's not me. <laughs> it's, it's the market. Well, you're um, plugged into the, the real estate network, I'm sure. Yeah. you got a lot of friends in the industry and stuff. Are you are you getting or hearing anything where people are, like, maybe second-guessing themselves? Like, what am I doing differently, or why am I not seeing the sales that we were seeing? Yeah, to an extent. I mean, we're, we're seeing it's, – it's an interesting market to be in because we're still very, very short of inventory. Yeah. Right? There's not – I mean, you – I just said there's 44 things on market. 172 have closed this year, where last year was, um, it was in the 200s. I forget the number. So we, we've got just a lot less inventory, but rates are still hanging around like the mid sevens, and things are still just sitting a, a little bit more. So in theory, demand should be crazy high because supply is very low. Right. But we're almost seeing supply sit there for a little bit longer, which indicates demand has, has slowed up a little bit or backed off some. And um, what, what do you think is part of that equation? Why, why are we seeing that? With That's a good question. Um, and that, that goes probably beyond my expertise a little bit. Um, but, um, but if you had to speculate. Yeah, I'd go back to rates. You know, there's okay. – we, we look at the Fed and how that indirectly, the, the rate changed. And we had, I don't know if you remember, Travis Mitchell on a, a few weeks back about talking about how the Fed, the, the Fed rate indirectly impacts the mortgage rates. Mm -hmm. And without going too deep into that and, and getting outside of, of my, my realm of expertise, uh, I, I think because there's so much volatility and movement in where that is, and I think it was announced last week that that's going to go up at least two more times by the end of the year, um, people are just kind of saying, ah, Maybe I just need to hold tight. Right. Um, and so it was really, so actually speaking of Travis, so one more thing, and, and we'll put this up. Um, I'll, I'm going to share this chart with you and put it up on the sheet uh, on the page so everyone can see this. But talking about people who, because this is a common thing I hear with buyers, I'm just going to wait till rates come down. Right. And I've heard that many times too. Yeah. And, um, which which um, that alone, if rate, if everything else stayed the same, days on market, price, competition, all of that, if everything else stayed the same, in theory, that's a great idea, right? Mm -hmm. But what happens when rates come down? Prices will go up, demand will go up, right? And that's, that right. Has, is what we've seen in the past. And so I'm going to put this sheet up, but uh, we're looking at if you purchased uh, today for 400000 at a 6.75 interest rate, today you've, as a buyer, you have a little bit of negotiating power. You haven't had it in, in months, if not years, now you can get some what we call concessions. Mm -hmm. Maybe 
a lower than list price contract or maybe some credit back for some repairs or maybe you can even negotiate repairs, period, which for a while you couldn't. Um, so I've got a $10,000 adjustment in here for a $10,000 either off the sales price or whatever. So you've got um, a $390 sales price if you buy that today at a $675 um, interest rate and you're looking at a monthly payment of $2,276. If we, um, so 12 months from now, if we assume a 4% inflation in prices from $400,000, that goes up to $416,000 purchase price. But let's say rates drop an entire point, which is a lot right now in the, in the rate market. That'd be 5.75. So if you do that same thing, the price of the house increased by $26,000, so you're paying $26,000 more, but you get a point less on your interest rate, then uh, that monthly payment's $21.84, which is about a $91 difference a month, mm -hmm. right? So you're in the positive, but you paid an extra $26,000 for that house. And so it kind of comes back to what your goals are. If this is like a 20-year house for you, maybe it makes sense because the break-even on that is 284 months, Basically, wow. so to make up that that ninety one dollars going into that twenty six thousand dollar difference is going to take two hundred eighty four months to break even to where it makes sense to wait versus buying today. Um, that's a lot of numbers that I just kind of thrown out without yeah, seeing the visual, but um, it just kind of it, it puts more depth into the thought or the the feedback from buyers saying I'm just going to wait for rates wait to come it down. Out, yeah, it's like if you do that and and prices increase by only four percent, then you're probably going to lose on that. Like it's better to, and there's an old, I think it's maybe Warren Buffett or, or no, it's um, Dave Ramsey who says, marry the house, but date the rate. Right. Okay. And meaning buy the house, you, you marry the house, you're in it, but you can always refinance. Mm -hmm. And so if you buy today and I don't have numbers, but we could break that down pretty easily. If you buy today at 6.75 and it drops a year from now, well, great. You still bought it 400 or 390. But then a year from now, you can refi down to 575. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I think that's a great argument, not just to try to promote more business, but just in general for someone who is on the fence. Hey, I'm going to buy. Don't, don't buy just to buy, but I'm going to buy in the next 12 months, period. It's just a matter of when. From that argument's sake, you can, you can get better uh, returns and just a better financial situation buying sooner than later based off that data and better negotiating power yeah. and stuff, which is cool, which is huge. Yeah, yeah. yeah definitely. Um, so yeah, well, a little tidbit <laughs> so was, for everybody yeah. out there. If that you're was thinking a quick about buying deep home, dive. Let's, uh, go ahead and pull the trigger. Yeah. Um, a quick deep dive. Um, talking, and I got, I got my notes here, but, um, and I had, I had a question. You yeah. were mentioning numbers. How many houses does ARC do close on per year on average? You had to average out the last three years. Oh gosh, um, I don't have the stats in front of me, but it's um, if not the top, one of the top sales company in in the city. Um, wow. Close, I think, right over a billion dollars of volume sold. But as far as units uh, or, or single family homes, or maybe that's not a good number to reference. But um, I, mean, I have to look. You're yeah. just talking like a couple hundred closings. I don't know. I don't know what the average. Oh no, it's thousands. Thousands. Yeah, okay. thousands. Yeah, because um, I put it in perspective. So, I mean, you guys have a team and stuff. My, yeah. Like my team will do 60 to 80 deals a year. Mm. Right. And I'm one of 500 agents. And now that's kind of on the higher side, like 
I think the average for an agent is probably closer to like 10. I forget how big ARC is. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's I, big. I think of you and, and your team, which is like a close-knit, but ARC mm-hmm. as a whole is, is a ARC pretty as big. ARC as a whole, yeah. yeah. Pretty big. Billions. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, my team is not selling billions. I was I like, we bro, <laughs> where do I sign up? Yeah, I'm, I'm hop on my plane and we'll dude, go fly. Yeah, yeah dude. No. That's awesome. Yep. Um, and so kind of, and I wanted to relate that a little bit. So we're, we're talking about just normal conventional loans when we talk about that, but kind of mixing that with the investor side and, and where investors can get loans now because, one, not only have rates increased, but lending um, – policies and criteria for a borrower have gotten tighter as well. And so okay. it's a little bit harder for a borrower to get a loan, um, not necessarily on a primary residence or a conventional or uh, FHA or government-backed loan, but on an investment loan as well. Mm-hmm. And so I'm starting to see a lot of what's called a DSCR loan come up, which is um, in a nutshell, basically evaluates a deal. If I'm a lender, I'm evaluating a deal not based off you as a borrower and your financial power, but the deal itself. The deal itself. Okay. Right. And how much, so if it's like a short-term rental, how much cash flow is it putting off? And um, kind of going back to last week talking with Austin of like, what are what's the income? What are the expenses? What's the cash flow or what's the profit? And then having a multiple off that profit and, and depending on how sexy that, that, multiple is or, or the uh, the result of that multiple is how willing they are to lend to you mm-hmm. um, so it's kind of a unique way i'm seeing more of those pop up the rates are a little worse than a conventional uh, or not a conventional loan but a little worse than maybe a portfolio loan from a local bank but sometimes that's the only option if you yeah. if you're newer and you don't have if you don't have the financial standing to borrow or if you're newer and you don't have a relationship excuse me with that bank then that may be the only route you can go. Yeah. And if the deal works, then sure. Go for it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if you've got to go pay, a, you know, I don't, they're not this high, but a 20% interest for a year, then all you do is underwrite your deal that you're analyzing, or analyzing based off paying 20%. And if it works, it works, mm-hmm. right? You don't not, the, not do the deal just because that rate's so high. You just have to buy the deal right to where it works. Yeah. Um, yeah, going back to the conversation with Austin, um, one thing I thought was really interesting is kind of related is, is his discipline to, um, uh, I forget the terminology that you use, but he was w- willing to delay gratification. And, yeah. and one of the big things that was important to him uh, making the deal when buying the company that he purchased was, hey, I, wanna, I don't want to stretch myself too thin based on the future of the company. I think it's going to do well. But at the same time, I have my, uh, you know, I think they the, – business that he's in they have clients on a monthly basis that mm-hmm. they're not really locked into like some 12 year contract or anything like that in the accounting world which is something I'm unfamiliar with but uh he was like look you know I'm willing to you know make some sacrifices to try to get you know to ground zero within 24 months mm-hmm. and so that way the business is paid for and then he's kind of you know sky's the limit from there yeah um, and so I just thought that was interesting, you know, um, I'm not sure how that relates to what you just said. I kind of <laughs> lost my train of thought there, but, uh, I just thought that was such a cool conversation. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I, I love Austin and getting to know him over the past year. I respect him so much for just how he approaches. And you heard his story talking about, um, having that strong relationship with Phil first before he mm-hmm. even started working for him. And definitely before he started approaching him to, to buying that business and how important those relationships are. And that's something we harp on. And, and I is, is very close for me is, you know, ARC stands for a relationship company. Mm-hmm. 
And that's how I try to. I think to, I knew that. Yeah. yeah. All this time. Yeah. yeah. So, and that's how I try to run. I mean, that's how I run my art business, but any business that I go in is like, it's about the relationship, your reputation and how you treat people. And he just does that so well. And he, mm -hmm. he puts that forward in his business. And I think it even relates to um, borrowing private money, which he, he talked about on, mm -hmm. on that deal and, and a couple others he's done. And that, um, that resonates with me because I've done that as well. And, um, you know, you've got a promissory note or you've got, um, you've got some kind of fall back the, to minimize the risk for that lender. But a lot of times, especially in real estate deals, you're borrowing money. And if you're giving up an equity position, meaning it's not a promissory note, but it's, hey, if this deal does well, then you'll get a piece of it. Um, but if it does bad, then that's the risk you took. Sorry. Mm -hmm. um, he looks at it, you know, that there, Austin has something in him, which, which I can relate to. And, and I, I try to uphold as well is, you know, if I borrow money from you, regardless of, of the deal that we worked out, like that money's coming back to you. If mm -hmm. I crash and burn, like, and, and I just, I, I owe you that money, period. Regardless of what we work out. Like, even if you say, hey, if the deal crashes and burns, then I've lost my money. And I think Austin just hold his, his value in that is so strong that um, he, and he respects the people that invest in him so well that he wants to pay that back you know, with the interest and just, sure. and, and just get it done. So yeah, incredible story. Really cool. And, and you know, uh, especially when it comes to like family and stuff like that, I mean, that could be a real, uh, yeah. that can make Thanksgiving real awkward. Yeah. You know what I mean? If Uncle <laughs> yes. Bob didn't get paid back from, yeah. you know, the 50 grand he lent you or right. something like that. So, yeah. well, that's cool to kind of get a, get a, get a feel on the pulse. You know, um, I've learned a lot about real estate through this podcast and, and being in the summer months and stuff. Um, uh, kind of seeing what the market's doing and, and um, I was I didn't realize that uh, yeah um, you know we're looking at kind of about 30 days on the market so that's kind of neat you know uh, at least from my limited experience and the way the market's been anyone trying to purchase a home and, and I know I've told our personal story um, uh, kind of the ups and downs of trying to find your first home uh, man I still think about that sometimes it's just crazy <laughs> that we ended up where we did um, it can be a roller coaster. And, yeah. and so maybe anybody who's listening out there right now that's thinking about maybe pulling the trigger, it's, it's kind of refreshing to hear that maybe they do have more negotiating power than maybe they think, mm. which is cool. Yeah, so. and that goes, you know, the investment world kind of follows that as well. And, man, there is, there's opportunity now. And I've talked about it for six months. That's why I'm flipping more houses at a time now than I have in two years. Yeah, well, uh, <laughs> it seems like I remember you saying that you're trying to, you know, pumping yeah. the brakes on the flips, but every yeah. time I talk to you, it's like, oh, we got another place. Oh, we got another yeah. place. And it's because there's opportunity there, and it, it's the exact same thing for a home buyer in the market right now. Mm -hmm. Is sellers have lost a little bit of leverage. It's mm -hmm. not multiple offers day one, which I've said that multiple times in the past few months, but even more so now, I'm seeing that in the investment world too. Is there's less people just attacking properties and overpaying, in my opinion, overpaying because they're having to go borrow at seven or eight percent. And sellers are still kind of, they, they're sitting on market investments are sitting even longer they, average days on market than a, a normal resale to a um, owner occupant. And so sellers reality is kind of sinking in to say, I can't get what I was getting six, eight months, 12 months ago where people were just bidding war and, it, and it's crazy. And I've got more or less quote unquote institutional or West coast money coming in and, and overpaying. It's not really happening anymore. A lot of that's dried up. And so there's more opportunity, not just in the single family flips, which is kind of where I've found myself fall back into, but in the bigger stuff too, um, in apartments and self-storage and 
you know, kind of you name it in all the investment spaces, not just a single family for a, an owner-occupant. So um, people well, who are sitting on the sidelines saying, I can't do it, and get out there. Now's the opportunity because if rates drop, it's just going to get just like it was last year, and then sure. your excuse for I can't afford it now is going to go back to your excuse from last year saying – uh, I can't afford it either, but for different reasons. For different reasons, yeah. Yeah. Well, going back to the you know the West Coast money, uh, quote unquote, <laughs> uh, uh, I still see a ton of investment, man. Uh, I work in downtown Birmingham, uh, live in Avondale, which if anybody's familiar with the Birmingham Metro, it's about ten minutes outside of the city, still in the city. Not even that, maybe five yeah, minutes. Yeah, it's pretty close. But uh, man, condos are everywhere. It is unbelievable on and and where my office is located. Uh, I can get into detail. Uh, on kind of in the Lakeview district, mm. golly, man, you could just look, turn in a 360 and I can count 10 condos that are currently being built yeah. right now or that have been built in the last 12 months. Yeah. And it's just like, oh my gosh, can they fit any more condos? It's almost <laughs> like a running joke. And then as soon as you see some old building, um, it's like, man, they're going to tear that down and build a condo. Yeah. And sure enough, they do. It's just like, where are all these people coming from? It's yeah. crazy. Well, and if you think about it, it's going to be interesting to see what happens over the next few years because if you think about it, a project like that, um, unlike a flip where I can decide to buy it or not in a matter of days, if not a day or hours, and, and then close and then get into it, something like that takes, I mean, six to Major. 18 months of planning yeah. and funding and, and all of that. And so if you think about ones that are out of the ground today, maybe they're just doing concrete, they planned for that a year ago yeah. when rates were four. So they're locked in at this point. They could be locked in. But then let's say like someone's planning it and they are not quite locked in and it's October 1 and then they lock it in and it's November 30th when they finally get everything together. Their numbers got really tight because rates just doubled. Yeah. And so so that's going to be interesting to watch of if that slows. I think new stuff's going to slow down over the next couple of years until kind of rates in the market start to balance a little bit more. Um but separate from that, what's going to be super interesting is you've got big, all kind, all size deals, but specifically big deals like seven-figure, eight-figure deals that were bought five to seven years ago on a five to seven-year arm, which means adjustable rate mortgage, that have a balloon payment, meaning at the end of five years or the end of seven years, the total note is due. Right, which is pretty normal in a, um, especially in a commercial loan. It's okay. pretty standard to. I think to be we talked structured. about that a little bit. Yeah. Yep. And so you've got notes from 2018, 2016 to 2018 that are coming due this year, and that owner typically what they normally do is just refinance it, right? Just get a new loan, put it in place, and roll forward. Well, they did all their underwriting. They ran all their numbers based off a debt service or a mortgage payment of three percent. Now they're having to re they're forced to refinance and it's an eight percent. Yeah. And now their cash flow is negative. Or oh, now uh, we talked about the valuation of a property is based off of the, the income and expenses. Well, let's say that um the value has depreciated five percent, right? On that refinance, they are gonna lend you based off the value of the property. If the value of the property is five percent lower, then you're just getting that much less. And if the debt, sir, if the principal's not paid down enough, you could be underwater. And so at the refinance, not only are you getting a, a rate that's double or triple what it was, but you also have to bring dollars to the table. 
So mm-hmm. if you're looking at a $100 million deal, you might have to bring $10 million to the table just to get through that refinance or you're going to get foreclosed. And it's like, holy cow. So, Oh, man. Right. That's crazy. So now what does that mean for investors today? Well, there's opportunity. Because I'm going to go buy an apartment complex. <laughs> right? Because these people, are they're forced to do a corner. And yeah. they say, I either have to come up with tons of cash or I'm going to lose it. Or I can just cut my losses. We cash flowed well for five years and just fire just sell. sell. Yeah, yeah, fire sell. And so now as, as an investor, it's like, okay, well, what notes are coming to do, which is public knowledge. So you can go in and say, like, what kind of debt do these people have and just start hitting the phone. Wow. And, that, and all that information is free. It's not like you got to buy, you know, you don't spend tens of thousands of dollars to get all this stuff. It's just putting in the grunt work to say, all right, I'm going to hit the phones and I'm going to go find a deal. All right, for everybody out there uh, looking to buy a condo, now this may be your time. It's the, it's the time. Awesome. Until next time. See ya.